was, I'm always like doom and gloom about shit. I just want to be prepared. So I was like, in case something goes wrong, like if we're in a room and like the shit hits the fan, like what are we going to do? But it was the opposite. I was in a, uh, I was in a Twitter space and like it's sold out and everyone's just like texting me. They're like, just leave. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Welcome to the Vault Podcast, the official podcast of V3 Labs. Here we discuss crypto, NFTs, and the metaverse with a focus on security and innovation. It's our goal to help onboard new people to Web3 and give them the information and resources they need to stay safe. Join us each week for new discussions with other founders, investors, and experts building the future of the web. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Vault3Labs and visit our website, v3labs.xyz, for the latest news and updates. And we're live. We got uh, Average Creatures. How's it going, guys? Hey, it's going. Uh, no, I actually really appreciate you guys coming on the show. I'm a big fan of your project. I think the art's super cool. And just want to learn more about what you guys are doing. Yeah, so... Do you want to know what we're currently doing or? <laughs> All right, man. So, well, lately, as this is being recorded, so we all know that ETH is down. Uh, everyone's freaking out in the market. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's kind of like a scary time. But for us, I think it's kind of like a perfect storm of kind of the the dates that like we minted and then the market kind of started crashing and so we we minted back in March um kind of right before everything started going like a little downhill and um when we it, it's weird because like being in the space like you for me and I know like other artists I I have to change my way of thinking so um you know, up until Mint, like, a, a few people were asking us about, like, commercial rights, and, um, I have to admit, like, my, my initial reaction was, like, hell no, like, I did all this work, I mean, and that's, you know, it's an old way of thinking, and I was, like, no way, man, like, I did all this work, like, why, why am I gonna let someone just take my images and, you know, possibly, <laughs> like, make bank off of it or something, I don't know, and then, we have a really valued member of our community that he just kept on us about it. Um, and he, he holds a lot. So like, and that's the thing too, it's, it's important to listen to a community, especially when you have a project that, you know, people have invested into. So, um, he kept on us and, you know, I was thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, especially in this market now, like now I get it. It's like, we want to reward our holders who have like been there since the beginning and, you know, the new people coming in and, you know, cause obviously everyone believes in us and it's like, yeah, that it makes sense. Like it makes sense to give, it's all about like adding value. So we, I think when was it this past, just several days ago, we announced, um, commercial rights just to like, we have collaborations and it doesn't, it doesn't go to them. Like we have, Toy Burgers collaborations, obviously they have their own, um, you know, terms and conditions. So like 
toy boogers isn't those traits aren't usable and you know all the other um collaborations but yeah on on all our original stuff it's commercial right so we've been kind of seeing people do like derivatives already and like talking about their ideas what they're going to do with their images so that's just one thing we're currently doing uh toto i don't know if you want to explain what you're currently working on slash probably stressed out about (laughs) (laughs) totally so our main drop the 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 current average creatures if you have seen them they are like this medium-sized creature and the the, these big background and all the backgrounds are like super amazing because they are complex some are simple but they have life on its own so we were thinking that we should make a version of the tokens that could be used as a profile picture. So when you put it on Twitter or on Discord, you can see like the, the face of the creature on a, on a big size or a standard size and make the background more simple, like a solid color or something like that so that the creature can stand out. So what we're doing right now is generating every single creature one more time, but it's cropped as a profile picture and it has different background colors. So all the holders will be able to claim their own creatures in, uh, with a smart contract, and they will get just another token for, for free based on their holding. So if you have 10 or 20 creatures, you will get 20 new tokens that you can use as a profile. And that's one of the first things that we're doing right now, and it's currently generating, it has generated 3,891 images right now. And it's counting. So I'm just like looking here and there to see if it's working or not. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. going to have a lot of cool like claimables coming up. And that that's another decision we just kind of made is that, you know, every month we need to we need to give our, our holders free stuff or, you know, just stuff they can claim. So, um, yeah, so we're excited about about all that. And I just I like just like making these pieces you know it's it's different from what i usually do and um it's it's actually not as hard because usually i build like giant sets so like doing something kind of like on a smaller scale is just way more it's more relaxing it's not as stressful so yeah and we're going to nft nyc for a few days that's i'm really jealous about that i'm extremely jealous so wait, what what kind of bigger sets do you or what when you when you say bigger sets, what are you talking um, about? So like, yeah. So he he Toto's been in my studio a couple times. Everyone from the team has been over um, a few times, and we're all spread out too. So it's cool. Like we all just hang out in New Hampshire, and um, Manchester is a strange place. I call it the South of the North, if that makes sense. It's just like it's it's like a weird mix of people and um i don't know why i'm getting into the michael's parking lot thing but you guys know michael's like the craft store i had to get when they were over i had to go get stuff at michael's and like there was a giant like party in the michael's i don't like vehicles like vehicle people but they had like flags like it you just look at them and you're like eh, i don't know like what kind of person are you <laughs> like toto you get I was like, we probably shouldn't approach them, and you guys were all like, but yeah, that's, um, why did I mention that? I don't know. That was just like a studio adventure, I guess. 
I was like, welcome to America, uh, specifically New Hampshire, where there's, like, ragers in a craft store parking lot. But, um, yeah, so usually I build, like, like life-size, like, massive sets. Like, um, like part of my studio is kind of like a house. Like, I built, like, a house in my studio that's kind of like a 1970s-ish looking. There's, like, a kitchen, like, a living room. Um, I don't even know why I did, I think I did that because I just wanted a place where I, oh, it was like a more, more permanent sets. Cause I usually build like huge sets and then I have to like tear them down like days later. Um, you know, cause I can't, I need to like shoot different stuff. So, but I have like a few permanent sense sets in my studio and there's like, yeah, there's like that kind of like house thing. Um, and then there's like a diner and we, we've done a lot of filming in it too, um, for average creatures. So, um, and that's exactly why it's there. Like, if we just need, like, something to use that's kind of cool and, like, has, like, a certain vibe to it, I have all these sets. So, yeah, but, it, I mean, that's hard work. Um, it's, like, getting the lumber. And, that, and lumber's, like, super expensive now, too. So it's just, like, all the time and, like, the financing of, like, doing these huge sets. Like, it get, I like doing it, but it gets stressful after a while, so... Um, with the creatures, it's like, I just kind of just go with it. It's almost like, um, I don't want to say like therapeutic, but like, it's, it's relaxing. Whereas like building giant sets is like not so relaxing to me. So yeah, it's, it's like a big difference kind of working like small scale and like all the, all the backgrounds for average creatures were just like mostly like 12 by 12 inches. So, um, Yeah, pretty much. And, like, all the heads are, like, kind of, like, fist or softball size. There there was a few that were, like, actual... You can, like, like a person can wear them. Um, which that made it hard to kind of photograph when we were, like, photographing everything. Because, like, the lighting for everything had to be the same. Um, so, the bi yeah, the biggest parts were the bodies. Which, I ironically, were the worst parts to deal with. <laughs> the the dressing and the undressing of the mannequins, like, over and over again, that, that sucked. I just, sent you, I just sent you a link in the, in the chat, so you can get an idea of how big uh, a small set is. This is the diner, by the way. And you can actually see a creature there. So it's crazy how, this, how you can see all the creatures, and, and we're talking that the heads are... Small size, but some of them are huge, like human size, and you can actually wear them. So for us, that's a possibility to shoot some content. Which is funny because people, when they come to my studio, they're always like, they're always like freaked out because, yeah, I mean, I guess with creatures too, we did use some of the backgrounds were some of the sets. So like people usually don't understand the size of everything I do. So like they'll come in and be like, I thought this was like way smaller or way bigger. It's it's kind of like a fun house. So Karen, let me ask you, uh, these sets, I guess you could give me more um, insight into your background. Is this something that you do for say like installation art or do you create sets for like uh, movies, plays, ballets, uh, etc.? Or is this something that you, you do in your studio and uh, now we're doing with NFTs? Yeah, so good question. So I like never used to, I started doing portraits in like 2009. Before that I was doing like all concert stuff. So when I started doing portraits, I kind of, 
I'm self-taught as a photographer. So like I, when I first started, I really didn't know like what questions to even ask. Um, so I kind of like fumbled through everything and I knew, like I knew at the time I didn't want a studio, but that was like out of an place of ignorance because to me, I thought, oh, people that shoot in a studio, it's all just like, just white backgrounds or black backgrounds, just like solid plain backgrounds. And I knew that's not what I wanted, but I say that was like coming from a place of ignorance because I wasn't thinking like, oh yeah, you can build sets in a studio too. I just didn't really realize people did that at the time. So, um, so I started like trying to shoot in just like cool locations that I could find. So, um, I would just find like alleyways or whatever. And then I was like searching for places in my general area to shoot. And I found a picture. I don't even know how I came across it, but it was a picture of an abandoned, um, hospital, like a theater in an abandoned hospital in Connecticut, which is, like, two or three hours from me, and I was just like, oh my god, like, where is this? Like, I I hadn't even considered places like that existed, um, or even thought about shooting in abandoned places, but when I saw that, I was like, this is so cool, like, this is, I knew, like, that's kind of, like, what I wanted my, my backgrounds to always look like, so I got, like, super into shooting in, like, abandoned houses and hospitals and, um, stuff like that, and when I would go in these places, there'd be, like, furniture still, like, like, some of them, okay, I'm, like, obsessed with, like, sci-fi, but, like, 80s sci-fi, where it's kind of, like, farmhouse type, like, you know what I mean? It's, like, there's aliens, but these people live in the middle of nowhere, and a lot of the houses I went to were in, like, you know, really, like, rural places like that, and... I, I always thought about, like, what the hell happened? Like, because it's like you'd go in a house and these people's, like, all their stuff would still be there. But you could tell they left, like, in the 40s. And I would, like, look through the paperwork and it would be like, oh, their last pieces of mail were in, like, 1947. And it's like, what happened? Like, what? <laughs> I always just thought of, like, these conspiracy, like... um so I did that for so many years, and then I ended up getting arrested for trespassing, and it kind of went, like, viral, because um, I also, like, I shoot a lot of nude work, so this, like, super, like, and I, I go everywhere to do this, but I got caught in the state I live in, in New Hampshire, and it was, like, a super, like, rural town, and um they, like, blew it way out of proportion, like, they made it look like I was, like, shooting porno in, like, someone's house. This house was, like, abandoned, like, there was, like, trees growing in the living room. Um, so, like, it was on the news, like, I'm one of those assholes that had my mugshot on the news, um, and, like, yeah, it was crazy, so... I was like, oh man, so for some reason, like, my court date from when I got arrested was, like, like, I got arrested in August, and, um, my court date was, like, October, I was like, what the hell, usually, like, it's, like, two weeks, so, like, I had all these months where I was like, I need to be good, like, I can't get in trouble before I have to go to court, that's, like, not good, um, so I went into my basement one day, and I just, like, took out we had like kind of a workshop we have like a really old house and it's kind of like 
a creepy basement. We have like a workshop that we didn't really use. So I like gutted it. I took everything out of it. Um, I had a friend like kind of put up like plywood, like almost like a plywood like cube with like one opening. Um, it was like seven by seven by like seven feet. And I started using that as a studio. And I did like, I did a lot of work um, in my basement that actually like was, you know, pretty good for like my progression like my career progression in photography so and then eventually I was like this is way too small like and then I got a studio um and then I just started hoarding like a ton of shit <laughs> and I have so much stuff in my studio it's like insane um I don't even remember the original question I just babbled on for like yeah no it, it, it's it's all good no I was uh trying to get a sense if you were like I don't know maybe in a few movies or oh uh, the set yeah 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 I I've done that here and there um so yeah that's basically like it started like in my basement with like kind of like uh, like out of necessity I guess that was my point is I started doing sets when I was like trying to be good before my court date so but I, I was like, oh, man, this is I mean, because that's the thing, like the more I, I realized that the more I learned how to like build stuff myself, and it's actually financially like way better for my shoots because I don't have to like, you know, necessarily look for a location. And because that's really I mean, renting out locations is like ridiculous in terms of costs, like especially like around New York City or like L.A. So um, yeah, I was like, wow, it's beneficial to me to be able to make my own sets and make it look like how I want. Cause otherwise I'm spending like thousands of dollars I don't have, you know, to rent out stuff. So, but yeah, I've done like a few things here and there for just like little, like short films or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to, I I've done installations kind of like photo booth type stuff. Um, where it's like an installation and people can kind of like insert themselves in it and I take a picture of them in it. But, um, yeah, I, I want to do that kind of, that kind of thing more, especially with average creatures, like with all the characters, I think that, yeah, yeah. And that, that's something we, we've spoken about and, you know, we're kind of waiting for like when the time is right. Um, you know, even with NFT NYC, we just, we we didn't know how it was going to go. So we were like, we should just keep our community funds right now and not blow it on like <laughs> renting a place out for 20 grand and like three people show up. We want to kind of make sure the market like stabilizes again, but yeah. How did you guys form this team behind uh, average creatures? Were you already working together in some sense or Karen, were you approached by, you know, some guys from like Web3 that really loved your work and said, hey, have you thought about doing like NFTs? Yeah. So um, probably back in like 2015, I was supposed to work on a short film with one of my friends and um, he his name's Jesse Corman. He he like used to be I know him from like when he was back he was in a band but now he does like huge um he's like a producer and he does like pretty big movies um he just who did now i'm trying to think of what he just did now i'm drawing a blank but so <laughs> you're laughing at me I'm, I'm so dumb right now it's been like such a long day um so i'm trying to trace this back to what i was saying oh yeah so was supposed to work on something with him, and he introduced me to a cinematographer friend of his, 
who is Raul. Um, yeah, and that was years ago. But then it just never happened because he started, like, his production company, like, started really picking up. And, like, obviously, like, he's, you know, it's he's going to work on these, like, bigger projects. I totally understand that. So, but Raul was, like, we just added each other on Facebook and, like, social media and all that. Um, and I guess we just, like, kind of stayed in touch a little all these years. Like, we didn't really talk all that much. Um, cause he's in Virginia, I'm in New Hampshire. I don't, I don't get down that way all too often, but yeah, he noticed uh, like around last summer that I was, I had already been into like the whole NFT scene. So he asked me, he was like, have you ever thought about doing a generative project? And I had, but like, I didn't know, I, I had to tell him like, I needed a few, a few days to think about like what I could do. Cause what I just told you about the set building, like, uh, like at first I was like, oh man, like I can't, there's no way I can build like hundreds of life-size sets and get all these models and whatever. So, um, yeah, I took a couple days and I thought about it and I came up with basically, you know, tiny backgrounds, little creature heads and dressing up the mannequins. Cause I have like a ton of crazy wardrobe in my studio. So yeah, he, he was like, all right, let's do this. And he knows Toto and, um, he, he kind of, I forgot how you guys knew each other back in El Salvador. I don't think. Ever... Yeah, we have a, we have a production company with Raul. So we have been working for years doing commercials and movies. and stuff. I'm guessing I could be wrong here, but are you the guy behind the code? So when Raul approached Karen and I mean, we were talking with Raul about, about her work and we, Follow her for a couple of years in, on her Instagram and saw the amazing pictures and sets. And we were like, how could we apply this to a generative art project? And how could we create like thousands of, of new characters using her style or, or her techniques? And she came up with these creatures and she sent us some examples. And since I was doing the, the generative coding and all that stuff, I try to do like some examples quickly, and you can tell them, Karen. Once once I run the script with a couple of faces and a couple of outfits, the creatures just came out alive. Like each one, every single one of them that we saw on the example, they were like super cool, and we were like, "Damn it, we're onto something." And that's like that's pretty yeah. And that's pretty much how we got we came up with the name because they so. December 2021 everyone came to my studio for the first time and I pretty much had like every most of it was finished I'd say like a good 80% um was finished at that point we just wanted to like look at the logistics of like shooting it and like we there was a lot that was shot when they came over um yeah and like we we were kind of like sitting around like kicking around names like monsters creatures I don't know and like yeah, and then he kind of, like, quickly put, um, <laughs> like, all the elements together, and for some reason, the the bodies, I think it was, like, the outfits and the bodies that just, like, we were laughing so hard because it made, like, I didn't think it was going to give off that vibe. Like, I, I knew it was going to be kind of, like, quirky or whatever, but it made them look like kind of just, like, normal scumbags. <laughs> like, he's like... I think one was wearing, like, I have, like, a ton of leisure suits and, like, all these, like, gross, like, 70s and 60s, like, 
Um, yeah, just, like, leisure suits and, like, weird. And, like, yeah, it just made them look, like, kind of, like, used car salesmen or, like, old, like, old ladies, like, like old bag ladies. <laughs> yeah, so we were, like, they kind of look like just normal people, almost, with the bodies. Like, there, there was something very, like, human-esque about them. And that's how we came up with average creatures. Like, yeah, they just look, like, kind of average people and yeah that's how that came up and uh, we need to think about the about the layering process on the generation because you know in the in the regular collections you got different eyes different mouths different hairs hats clothes but this was different because this was all done with pictures instead of illustration so how can we do something generative with 50 or with no what with ninety six sculptures of heads, so instead of doing generative faces, we did generative creatures. So each creature had its own head, and we have a ton of outfits. I mean, she was telling you that on her studio, she has thousands of different clothes and these cool outfits that we had to start putting onto the mannequins one by one, and setting up the lighting to to photograph every single one of those outfits. It was a ton of time that we had to to invest for that production. So after photographing everything, we, you had to play with perspective to make them seem like they match. And yeah, we started processing them, cleaning the, the crops, cleaning everything, and putting them on the side that it would work. And it would not contaminate the background, so it would still be a part of, of, the, of the composition. And yeah... After all those assets. <laughs> it drives me nuts when people... It's just not for me. Like, some people do it well, but when people just, like, Photoshop, like, I'm gonna take pictures of a person in front of, like, a blank background and Photoshop them into an environment, I, like, can't handle that. Like, for me, like, I... Everything has to, like, be in the photo and, like, real. That's just, like... I don't know, that's just, like, my weird thing, so I was, like, freaking out, because I'm like, oh, God, this is, like, the opposite of, you know, like, what I want to do. It's, like, everything is, like, not really there on each other, like, the heads are not really on the bodies in front of this background, so I was just so worried, because, like, for me, when you look at something, like, even too much CGI in a movie it like takes you out of it. It's like, shit, well, I can tell, I can see like the disconnect and then I'm immediately like, oh man, this sucks. So I was like, if this, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, man, if this doesn't work, like that's really going to suck. Cause like, then it's not going to have like that feel to it. It's just going to look choppy and you get what I mean. But yeah, they look like legit, like it, and we, I think, we, do we get lucky with that or what? Like, I felt like we got super lucky with that part. <laughs> well, I, one of the things that I, that I find really interesting about your project is that, one, the art speaks for itself. I'm, I haven't really seen, I've seen like, photo, like photographs as NFTs, but not as a gen generative project. And yours stands out from almost every other project on that, that I've seen so far. The one thing that I found that I thought was super interesting was that, you guys had a, a successful sellout. How, how long did it take for you guys to sell out? Was it like the first day? So we had the, the, the pre-sale, which 
was pretty pretty like a normal day and the public sale it lasted for less than three hours exactly so to that my point and and from what i've seen so far you guys don't really have much utility as far as like do you, do you guys plan on doing something with utility because i've noticed most products that sell out they have like some sort of utility attached to it and for you guys to have not uh, i mean am i right here do you guys have much utility within the nft itself so from the beginning we have been planning to to do these tokens with uh some kind of utility to be thinking of in, in the future, like for the metaverse implementations and all that stuff. So after selling out, we started working on 3D models for, for the creatures. We have already made some of them, but we're still working on them. And we have been working on animations, um, on videos, on shooting a lot of different content. But, you know, all of that takes time. And we have told, that, told people that we were working on it. But since a couple of weeks ago, we started to expedite things up. And we want to be, be able to give people, to give all the holders as utility, some new art from Karen. Because like she's an amazing yeah. artist, and we want people or the holders to be able to, to get more of her art in the, in the upcoming months. Oh, that's awesome. And as, yeah, for you guys to have a sellout with, with like, the art clearly speaks for itself. Like, it is amazing art. Karen, you're you're incredible artist uh, it's it's, uh, it's really cool stuff i would just you know second that and say i would have loved to hear about this project before mint so i'm curious what was the the, the marketing like in, in the marketing strategy in terms of you know getting this thing out to the nft community and incentivizing people to mint yeah so we we actually get asked that a lot lately too um and i think i mean Right now, it's everything so strange. It's like the the projects that do well and the ones that don't. Um, I don't know right now if there's any like specific formula, but for us, like I had already had it. It was rough for me entering the NFT space because, and I think for most people, it was almost like you're starting over. So I had like you know a pretty good number of followers, like and you know the whole web two kind of, you know, I'm going to events and I'm physically selling prints kind of world. But yeah, then when I went into NFTs, like none of those people were in that game. So I, yeah, I legitimately had to start over and which isn't bad. I at least had like, you know, my work, it wasn't like starting over where you're like trying to figure out what you want to do for, you know, as an artist and what direction you're going to take. For me, it was just like, okay, well I need to like, remarket my work to a whole bunch of new people so um in january 2021 i had gotten i uh, downloaded the clubhouse clubhouse app and that's the same time period that i found out about nfts which was so perfect because like if you were in clubhouse around that time it was like thousands of people trying to learn but we were all at the same points i still i feel bad for people now because um it's like we got to remember to have patience because not everyone was there at that time it's like i i can almost hear people rolling their eyes in like twitter spaces and stuff when people ask like you know i want to get into nfts i I have no clue what i'm doing and everyone's just kind of like well I'll, i'll send you a link and it's like it's not the same, man. Like, some of us learn by, like, like someone walked us through. Like, they're, 
Um, Ron, he goes by Ronan the Collector on Twitter, and he was doing these clubhouse rooms where he would literally, he was like just a teacher, and step by step, like, you know, all for free, like just taking his own time to teach hundreds of people, which that's good for the community, you know, that obviously you want to onboard people, so... Um, so yeah, I, I had been, I had, it was like a year that I had under my belt almost, um, before this launch. So like, luckily, you know, I, I had kind of a, you know, a following that I had amassed in the NFT space since I had been in it. And I, I think that helped a little, but we, we like hustled, like we, um, the the thing that that I would tell everyone because now I look for it and people even said it to us is like you gotta have I I, I don't want to say that like everything's a followers game like you know you how, looking at how many followers you have or whatever but when you're a project and you know you have a specific amount of tokens that you are trying to sell you probably need to make sure you have at least double that in followers if you want to sell out. And, like, you know, I've had people ask me for advice recently, and they have, like, you know, a 7,000-piece project, and their project Twitter has, like, not even joking, like, 87 followers, and I'm just like, you probably, like, I wish you would have asked me this for advice before, um... But yeah, that's, you can't, I mean, and some people, like, buy the followers, but that, you know, a lot of accounts buy them, and then again, they wonder why they didn't sell out, it's because they didn't do it organically, like, I, and we, we were super, super organic about it, like, we just, we were hitting Twitter spaces all the time, like, we were all looking in every direction, like, who's having a space, Who even Clubhouse still, we were, we were doing that, so, like, 24-7, we were just looking to tell, you know, we were in some spaces that had, like, hundreds of people, and some that had, like, 14, it didn't matter, we, like, we took anything we could get to just, like, get the word out there. We talk about this all the time with projects that take, like, the organic route, where it's things like spaces, or blog posts, or putting out content on Twitter to be helpful in terms of being, like, the most successful projects. So, I appreciate that. But I think before we started recording, we were kind of uh, briefly talking about, like, the market conditions and stuff like that. So, I'm curious, was there some sort of, like, anxiety going into, like, Mint with everything that was happening? So, it was my first, but it was Toto's, like... He's done a, a few projects, but I was freaking out. Like I was, especially on like pre-sale day, I was like freaking out because we didn't sell a lot during pre-sale. Like, but so many people signed up, and that's the other thing. Like allow lists and stuff. It was nothing. Like, like we were like, oh man, we gave out too many like allow lists, and then like what, 2% of those people minted that day, so I was absolutely freaking out. Um, but then everything happened so fast on, like, the public sale day. I was actually in a Twitter space when it was, like, selling out. Like, I remember seeing, like, like more, like, 3,000, 5,000 something, and then, yeah, because Raul scheduled me to be in a space. And, like, I always shit on him for that because I was like, dude, we probably, like shouldn't do spaces while we're minting 
in case I was, I'm always like doom and gloom about shit. I just want to be prepared. So I was like, in case something goes wrong, like if we're in a room and like the shit hits the fan, like what are we going to do? But it was the opposite. I was in a, uh, I was in a Twitter space and like it's sold out and everyone's just like texting me. They're like, just leave. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to be rude. And they're like, just fucking leave the space. Like, so yeah, it was, um, it was stressful. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want I wasn't like too stressed, but I, I was definitely worried like on pre-sale day, I have to say. But I had faith in the team though. Like I, I was, I knew you guys were like doing all your stuff on the back end. So like I, I wasn't freaked out about that. Cause again, that was your, what at that point, how many projects had you already? No, I had two projects before, one on Tesla's network and one in Cardano. And this was my first Ethereum. But yeah, it was pretty stressful, the, the pre-sale date, because out of 7,700 tokens, there was like, what, like 8,000 people on the, on, the, on the pre-sale list that registered on payment. And we were doing some projections to say that, that Okay, if we get 20% of these people that registered to mint, it's a success for us. Because even if we have over-allocated some spots and 20% mint, it's good. And we got to around, what, 15% maybe? So it was like, eh, well, it was still doing good. But what happened was that on the same day that we were doing the pre-sale, a couple of collections were doing their mint day too. So it, there was all this noise of one similar collection that was mint, was minting. And I think that we were just lost in the noise of all the projects coming out. But the next day after we, we opened the public sale, it just started getting traction. And after some people minted, it was in seconds, you would see the, the, the tokens getting minted by hundreds, hundreds, hundred thousand and instantly sold out. And it was pretty, super exciting. I mean, we were like, did you see that? Did, um, 100 tokens were sold, uh, posted on Twitter. Uh, 2,000 tokens sold, posted on Twitter, updated. No, wait, don't, but 3,000. I think there was, no, there's something like Thanks, uh, beautiful Raul. about what you said, Karen, <laughs> where it was like, me to I guess be in maybe in moments room. of like uncertainty, Didn't you have faith <laughs> in your team. Like these guys were doing what they could on the back end. So Rob, um, I guess you even hinted to it, like what, like the heartbeat was like um, in terms of minting. With already having uh, two projects under your belt, like you said, one on Tezos, one on Cardano. Um, so what was this like the, the the feeling or the experience doing your first Ethereum project? It, it's, it was super different because you know the scale of the networks. Uh, Tezos is like this, Cardano is a little bit bigger, and Ethereum is like the main network for NFTs. So it's it's huge. In Tezos and Cardano, you have, what, 10 projects a week back in that day. And in Ethereum, you had hundreds of projects per week coming out, launching. So standing out in these waves and waves of projects was, like, super difficult. But we knew that we, knew that we had something that was super special for people to put their eyes on. And on the, on the pre-sale day, we were like, don't worry, this is going to work out. I mean, it's going slow now, but this is how it is, and you don't have to get disappointed. 
and let's just keep going. Let's go. Let's keep going on spaces. And that's how they caught her the, on the public Solana space because we were just continuing uh, having presence online and preparing for the for the sellout, right? But it was, I mean, it was like overwhelming the the amount of emotions that you get on the mint day because you don't want anything to go wrong, like. Not the, the minting process, not the, the web, the servers, the traffic, the, the smart contract to fail. Imagine that. <laughs> and I was nervous because you were telling me, like, I think around that time, you remember there was a project who, like, everything yeah. got tied up in a contract, like, yeah. millions There was of- this project that they fucked up the, the withdrawal function on their smart contract. So they minted all their collection and they could not withdraw the. So the ETH was locked in that contract. I was like, don't tell there. me that before ours. Like, And they did that and they fucked up and there's nothing they can do. Nice. Yeah. So I think we're coming up, um, you know, uh, on the time for wrapping. But I, I do want to give like uh, you in Rob an extra minute or two if you guys want to announce something that's like coming soon. That way when we put this pod out, people can have like a call to action or something to look forward to. But yeah, we, we're going to make some announcements on NFT NYC, uh, which will be about the, the IP rights and the, and the future rewards or claimables for holders. So, I mean, that's the main thing, because from now on, people will be able to benefit or to have some art utility based on their tokens. So that's what is very exciting for us right now. Nice. So... You guys heard it here first. We're here uh, with Average Creatures on the Vault Podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at AVG Creatures. Look out for their latest message and announcements uh, during NFT NYC. Karen, Rob, thank you guys so much for joining the Vault Podcast. Many blessings to you guys and much more success to your project.